And we have our guests, Judy Stallnaker and Pete Jenkins here. And I would like to just say a brief word. Uh, we are glad you're frequent visitors here with us because it's such a joy. But when you were here for the first interview, we had a little technical difficulty with the recording. And I really want you to have a recording of this uh, we do give a thumb drive to people that are being interviewed, so it's there for you, your families and for you to to listen to, and also we like to play it again on Wet Fridays. So welcome, Peter and Judy. So good to have you back again. It's I so nice to have you here, and you're both married to each other. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> yes, we're, uh, <coughs> we got married and... Um, about 21 years ago, uh, and uh, the reason we have different names is that uh, we both had professional careers. Uh, we both were professors, and uh, we have uh, technical papers, uh, different uh, articles. Uh, people know us by our our uh, names. And, yeah, I uh, have technical papers with the Stallnaker name, so I yeah. didn't want to change my name. Right. Perfectly Judy. good sense, good reasons for that. Judy has a, a book, actually, in the library that she wrote in our library. In our library here. Textbook. Judy Stallnecker. So if she changed her name, uh, nobody would recognize her and recognize the, the owner of the book. So uh, they that's one reason we just kept our own names. Probably well, we want to recognize to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, is it true that you're an immigrant? Yes, I am. I was born in Canada, Nova Scotia, Canada, Truro, Nova Scotia just north of Halifax, and uh, uh, lived there. Uh, my father was in the uh, Second World War, and um, came back, and uh, we moved to Chicago then, about uh, when I was, uh, I guess, five years old, six years old. And uh, <coughs> he went to the University of Chicago, uh, got his master's and his PhD in economics, and then uh, we moved to Arkansas where uh, he was professor at the University of Arkansas. That's where I grew up. So you didn't realize all those dynamics at your early age when you first came? No. <laughs> but the decision was to come to the United States. What? The decision to come to the United States was because of his educational ventures. Yeah, it was because of his education. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he wanted to, um, you know, he got his degree at the uh, University of Chicago, and uh, he had been down lecturing uh, before the war, actually. And so he just uh, wanted to move to the United States. And Judy, uh, there's a place in Iowa, Atlantic. Tell us what happened there. That is where I was born. It's a small little town in southwestern Iowa. And weirdly enough, Marty Lamb was also born in the same hospital that I was. And, and that hospital is now an apartment building. Really? And my dad was away at World War II at the time, and he didn't see me until I was 14 months old. Oh. <laughs> you can see some of the reunions that take place on uh, TV once in a while, these parents that have not seen those children, maybe some ever, until they get back here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you had a different 
lifestyle at that point? You're, you were in the farm area? My parents were both from farm families, yes. Uh, yes. Well, um, Peter, tell us about your education. Well, I uh, uh, grew up in uh, Fayetteville. Then I, uh, after high school, I went in the Marine Corps, and I was in the Marines for several years, and uh, came back and uh, went to the University of Kansas and uh, got my degree, bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Then went to work for Texas Instruments and uh, did some very interesting work at Texas Instruments, uh, developed a new seismic energy source. Uh, actually, great opportunity in my 20s. I got to travel all around the world to uh, different, uh, different sites to uh, put my energy source on ships. People don't know that Texas Instruments owns about 25 ships worldwide for uh, seismic work. And so I got to go around, work with those, uh, uh, those sites. And, um, but anyway, then uh, because of that, uh, I um, started getting very, very interested in technical things, more advanced things. So I went back uh, to SMU, got my master's degree in uh, mechanical engineering. And then from there, I, I, I was offered an NSF scholarship at Purdue to go and get my PhD. So I went up to Purdue, got my PhD. Uh, then uh, after that, I went out to Arizona, taught for two years to Northern Arizona University, uh, and then went to uh, Texas A&M University, then University of Nebraska's department chair, then came to University of Colorado Denver, dean. I was dean here for 10 years. Then I got a degree. When I was dean, I wanted I got into management, so I went to Harvard and got a, uh, a certificate in, uh, in management uh, from Harvard. You're and leaving out the years where you. Were I'm in thinking, what is the time span here? <laughs> it's quite a large you're, you're time span. You're leaving out the part where you were worked for a company and got oh, your MBA, another oh, that's degree. that's right. Uh, in uh, between uh, my university stint uh, at A and M in Nebraska, I went out to California. Worked for the Engine Corporation of the World, uh, Engine Corporation of America, and uh, that's got into business management. So I went to Pepperdine and got an MBA. So then came back to Nebraska and, and the text, then UCD, and then got into educational management. So then I went to Harvard and got a <laughs> master's degree in in uh, education management. <laughs> so I've. Uh, I've been uh, been to several schools and uh, really enjoyed it. But and there's more to come, <laughs> Judy. Let's find out about you. <laughs> well, my education started at Iowa State University. That's where my dad had gone, and uh, I couldn't decide what to major in. And I finally decided, why not major in the thing that's easiest for me? That's mathematics. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but <laughs> math, math, I love math because there's one right answer. Oh. If you're studying social studies, somebody says, what are the causes of the Revolutionary War? And there's a hundred reasons you could put down, and you don't know which one the faculty member likes best. So, mm -hmm. What's going to be in the book? So, and, and there is a math gene in my family. I don't have any brothers, but I have three sisters. My older sister and I both were uh, math majors, and my two younger sisters had uh, a county emph emphasis in their business degrees. So you can see there's definitely a, a math gene in my family. 
and really, I use really that. runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> and then I use that uh, math degree to teach uh, high school algebra and trigonometry for ten years. And during the last three of those ten years, I uh, went to night school and worked on my master's in civil engineering after taking deficiency mm -hmm. courses, and then then my PhD in civil engineering, and. I'm going to tell you a story that it just about three weeks ago, I had a student from 49 years ago oh. come here and have lunch with Pete and I. He was my high school calculus student. Oh, my and goodness. And he's getting ready to retire. He's a uh, orthopedic, pe pediatric orthopedic surgeon in San Diego. S and we've kept in touch through Christmas letters all these years. Isn't that, and he isn't came. that amazing? <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, you have kept track of each other in a sense, but how wonderful you know what your students have done. Yes. And how, yeah. Uh, that's exciting. Does he live here now, or is he still he, in he San lives Diego? He in California. He was in town for a convention, so oh, he, he contacted was. me. And, how and nice that you kept in touch. Yes. I think that's really wonderful. Was. Yes. Has that happened to you, Peter, with uh, some uh, returning? Actually, um, um, last week I was at King Supers, and uh, uh, I was uh, pushing my cart into the store. Then I heard this, somebody shout, Dr. Jenkins, real loud. And I looked around, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and this student came running up and grabbed me and hugged me. This, and uh, it was a former student I had in class, uh, probably eight years ago and uh, he lives in Denver with his family but I hadn't seen him and uh, he uh, but he saw me came up gave me a big hug and, and now he wants to come and have lunch with us <laughs> I think that those are what I would call glorious meetings <laughs> well, I, I also had uh, another student visitation but it was actually uh, this the sons of a student of mine from University of Colorado, Denver. That's where Pete and I met and, and uh, taught. And I had him, uh, this student is from Kuwait, and I had a student many years ago from Kuwait, and he liked his education at CU Denver so much that he sent his two sons to get a civil engineering education at CU Denver. And they contacted me by email and they came over and had lunch with us, the two Kuwaiti students. Now, all of this has happened oh. since we talked to you just a few weeks ago. Yes. So there so is new information in your life. Wonderful. And what nice guys. Yeah. yeah, their father owns a, obviously he's making a plenty of money <laughs> to mm -hmm. be able to send his sons here. He owns a, a piping firm in Kuwait. Oh, it's just fantastic oh, that we could hear about this today. Um, you met somebody at the University of Nebraska that was yes. spent some time with you, Peter. <laughs> Tell us about that, that yes, story. Yes, when I was uh, at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, um, I was department chair, but I ran a center for engine technology. And uh, it was uh, a lab that had um, quite a bit of testing equipment in it. And uh, we had... Uh, we had started testing, uh, running engines on different fuels and looking at hydrogen and, uh, and alcohol fuels. And, uh, and the alcohol fuels uh, were at that time were 
are starting to be looked at at blending with the regular gasoline to cut emissions. But there was a big problem um, because if you run uh, with ethanol, if you put ethanol in an engine, there's a balance that has to be. You put too much ethanol in the engine, it gets hot, overheats. If you don't put enough in, uh, in, the, uh, in the fuel, um, you get emissions. You get the regular uh, carbon emissions. And so what we were uh, doing at the university, we had several test benches, and we were testing engines and looking at the different blends and seeing what the best balance was between the alcohol and what percentage would be uh, best to use. And uh, so we did quite a bit of testing, and it got uh, got some notoriety, uh, went all the way to the White House. And uh, <laughs> President Bush Sr., uh, his staff uh, was very interested. He had a, his attorney, Boyden Gray, who was a very strong advocate of, of ethanol and, uh, and industry and so on. So anyway, um, they came to do visit our, our lab to see, uh, see how we were testing it and, uh, and uh, what the results were. But uh, President Bush came with three cabinet members, Boyden Gray, John Sununu, uh, half the White House came out because they wanted to look at what we were doing. And, uh, but anyway, he, uh, he was supposed to come and uh, <clears throat> spend about an hour, and we made a presentation to him in the conference room. And then he was, he was going to leave, and then he saw all the students. I had five students with their test benches, and uh, he says, well, let's go look at them. So he went and started talking to my graduate students <laughs> and then uh, went out and um, started walking around looking at uh, the vehicle. We had a car where we tested uh, the ethanol blends to see how it performed. And he looked at that car and he says, is that, a, is that running on ethanol? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, uh, let's, let's go, I want to drive it. So he went and jumped in the car and uh, President of the University jumped in beside him. I jumped in the back with uh, Secret Service and uh, in the back seat. And so we had this loop that we went around. And uh, <coughs> so we started down the, 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 the track and, uh, and uh, you know, I have to remember, when's the last time President Bush drove a car? Oh. I mean, he was director of the FBI, vice president for several years. I mean, you know, when's the last time this guy's been in a car? And so anyway, he heads down the, the, the front uh, start of it and hits the first curve. And I said, uh, Mr. President, you need to slow down. There's, the curves are pretty sharp. And so he went zipping around the first curve and went down the back stretch. And, he, and I said, Mr. President, slow down. This, we're coming to this, another curb. And, and he went around that, and, and he just went zipping around there, and I, I just knew we were going to have an accident. I thought, you know, my goodness, if, if I have an accident with the President of the United States in my lab, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in real trouble. <laughs> so then, you know, and I was, I was sweating. I was scared to death. And so anyway, we came back to home uh, where we started. And, and I thought, boy, we made it, you know. He says, boy, that was sure fun. Let's do it again. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so, so he went around again. And, and the Secret Service guy was grabbing me. He said, tell him to slow down, Dr. Jenkins. He's shaking my shoulder. Well, I think you can say you saved his life. <laughs> well, You're probably yours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it was one of, the, one of the highlights of my life, but one of the scariest moments of my life, oh, too. I, what <laughs> a responsibility. <laughs> he made it in. And... Uh, and uh, he, um, uh, uh, you know, got out of the car and he, he shook my hand, thanked me, and he says, "That's just great." He's and and so, uh, 
but I've got his uh, robe and I've got some several things in my my closet just a memory of that because it was such a great experience for me. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> I was excited listening to this. <laughs> Sounds exciting. It was <laughs> terrifying but exciting. Oh, and I know Sandy, you and I were talking about how Pierre and Judy met. What? Yes, you had some questions. I can. Will you tell easily. us how you met the story? Yeah. Well, let me, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite stories. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting. We both are professors at uh, University of Colorado Denver, and, uh, and I was dean, and, um, and, and as we were, you know, going on through school in several years, um, we were having real problems with advising, and, uh, and so... Um, uh, we wanted to hire, uh, uh, you know, I needed to hire somebody that, that knew how to advise students. And so I asked around, I said, now, who's the best advisor in the college? And they said, well, Dr. Stallnecker by far. So I called Judy in and, and I said, you know, would you like to be associate dean for student affairs? She said, absolutely. So she did. So we started working together. And, uh, and you know, during that time and, and uh, just professionally, I mean, she we'd worked together for, I don't know, five six years or more just you know seeing each other in the hall and so on but i didn't know her uh -huh. so anyway um we started working together and uh, started talking about things and and i got to know her uh, a little bit better and i started liking her but i had to keep that personal side away from my <laughs> professional side and uh but anyway um i thought well you know i want to get to know her better and so um I went up and offered her, uh, uh, I said, look, I have, I have a ticket to the Nuggets basketball game. Would you like to go? She said, sure, I like basketball. Oh, and Judy, and tell so, us what happened after that. <laughs> oh, so, so I gave her the ticket and, uh, and, and then went to the game. <laughs> yeah, well, I, then I drove over, went to the game that night, got my seat, sat down, and sitting there and I looked to my left and coming down the aisle is Pete and I looked up at him and I said what are you doing here <laughs> he had made it sound like he couldn't go to the game and that's why he had this ticket he tricked me <laughs> you really we wanted a, a date oh, we had a, so that was our first date yeah. Yeah. Even unknown to me yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history. As yes. say, right? <laughs> so how long before you were married then? Oh, two years. Yeah, about two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. <laughs> and short, short, well, where were you married, first of all? You, what, we were actually in married in what used to be the Burnsley Hotel. Now it's been turned into an apartment building. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a boutique hotel uh, on... Logan Street or Sherman Street, I forget which now. Yeah, it was a really nice small ceremony. Uh -huh. Well, and shortly after that, you had, well, you had your honeymoon. Tell us, we, that was adventurous. <laughs> well, we kind of had two honeymoons. The first honeymoon was the real honeymoon, where we spent a week in Paris, and then we took a bus tour through Europe, where we went down to the south of France, to Cannes, over to Monaco, then over to Italy, to Venice and Rome, and my favorite, Pompeii. I'd always wanted to, to go to Pompeii. But our second honeymoon, right after that, was to leave immediately for West Point, pack up a 
U-Haul, lock the door to our condo and put some things in a U-Haul and head off to West Point where Pete had obtained a visiting professorship, and I'll let him tell about that. Yeah. I uh, uh, just wanted to, um, you know, take a, a um, sabbatical, basically, and um, <coughs> to marry Judy and then, you know, take some time off. And I saw this this uh, announcement about this prof- uh, position as distinguished professor at, at West Point, so I applied for it. Uh, and lo and behold, I got it, and so it worked out. So we went up to West Point and uh, spent a year uh, teaching up there, and uh, just uh, one of the highlights of our life. Did we you know it was going to be a year? It was, it was a year at that time. Is what? When you first found out about it, did you know this was a, a year assignment? Oh yes, yeah. It okay. was part of the announcement that it would be a year appointment. And it and really was one of the highlights of our life. We both will say so. Yeah. Every night after dinner, we would go out and walk and look at the statue of Eisenhower or MacArthur or look at the plaques about the uh, men that had graduated from West Point, but some fought on the side of the North and some fought on the side of the South in the Civil War, and uh, go to the cemetery and look at the famous and sometimes infamous uh, people (laughs) that are buried there. well, I can see how you'd love that with that sense of history. Yeah, that you and yeah. Right, right on the Hudson River. And our apartment was Kitty Corner across the street from the engineering building, so Pete had a two-minute commute to work. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure. But that never happened again, did it? <laughs> two minutes <laughs> and to it's work? It's interesting. Every morning at uh, probably uh, 6 o'clock uh, or so, we'd hear, hop, one, two, three, hop, oh. one, two, three, hop. <laughs> and the cadets would be on their morning run right by our window and going out, you know. And, That's uh, a sound you have not it forgotten. It, it was really yeah. fun. But that was not the only military academy yeah. that you have. No, I, I was real fortunate. I uh, was able to teach at all three of them. And um, what happened when I was up at West Point, uh, uh, the, the, uh, there was a class reunion for uh, West Point graduates and Kerry Fisher happened to be up there and he was the department head at the Air Force Academy, mechanical mm-hmm. engineering at the Air Force Academy. And so I knew him when I was dean, I was working with him uh, here in Colorado. So when I saw him up there at, at his reunion, uh, we started chatting and he says, what are you doing up here at West Point? And I said, well, I'm up here you know, teaching this, this position. And he says, well, why don't you teach at the Air, come down to the Air Force Academy and try it. And I said, sure. So I came back to Denver, stayed and taught in Denver for another year. Then he gave me a contract to come down to the Air Force Academy. So I went down there to teach. And so after teaching down there a year, I was uh, going back and forth to Washington doing some things uh, on, uh, related to energy. And I bumped into Boyden Gray. And uh, he happened to be the uh, Secretary of the Navy at that time. And he was a good friend. I'd met him previously uh, when he was uh, vice president of General Dynamics. But anyway, I uh, went to lunch with him and uh, he said, uh, you know, it's good to see you. And um, what are you doing now? Well, I'm teaching at the Air Force Academy. And he says, well, why don't you teach at the Naval Academy? I'm Secretary <laughs> of the Navy. And so <laughs> I came back to Denver and got a contract to go to the Navy, uh, Naval Academy. So then after a year, I went up to Naval Academy and taught there for a year. <laughs> you <laughs> we moved made up the there. Rounds. And we moved to Annapolis. Yeah. Yep. 
When and when he taught at the Air Force Academy, he commuted. Yeah. But we moved to to Annapolis when he taught there, and yeah. he was able to do this because these academies paid CU yeah. Denver, and then CU Denver paid Pete. That way, he could keep his health insurance and keep his uh, retirement and everything like that. Well, that's a beautiful life. Uh, that you kind of fell into that. One thing led to another. I did. And you were really the only professor that has been at three academies. Yeah, that, as far as I know, and, and I've talked to several people, I think I just happened to be the, the only person that's ever done that. It's amazing. It is. Wonderful life. And I have several students at uh, West Point. Uh, they're still our good friends. Uh, that staying, you know, we're talking about our students at UCD, but also we've got some uh, three guys that uh, taught at uh, West Point are still very good friends. And we al- and we also have faculty from West Point That's that are right. still our very good friends. Yes, West Point friend. is a very special place. Well, you've been inspiring to so many people through your teaching, but otherwise, too. You, you get into really important uh, phases of life. Judy, you, you are now with your scooter but you had a mother that lived here right down the hall from yes. on the first floor yes, north yes my mother did live and here yes uh she lived here from 2013 to 2019 and everybody knows her for her china painting right and she had actually had two kilns on her patio here <laughs> so that she could fire her china and every flower and petal was hand done that's nothing, right nothing with decals or whatever they no, use in some no. commercial and things. It looked like it was made by a factory because it was so perfect. And all the trim was 24 karat gold. <sighs> yeah, she did beautiful work. It, mm. it was pretty much in demand. It was <laughs> wonderful to see. She had ex- exhibits in Silverton. and um, Also, this trait of hers has carried over into your, what you like to do here as mm. far as needlework and You've inherited her talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I love to sew, and I make quilts that I hang on my door, and I uh, change them at least once a month. So I'm having a lot of fun. I call it my art gallery, and a lot of people enjoy coming by to see what I have that month. That's a, it's a nice miniature art gallery. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's exactly. wonderful. And um, Pete, before... We just have a few minutes left, but before we, I'd like to hear more about the Navajo, and oh. your your being on the board and what's coming up in the future for yes, you there. The, um, there's a um, uh, power plant and in, uh, in uh, four corners uh, of Colorado and, and Arizona and New Mexico, and um, the power plant is uh, provided coal by the four corners uh, uh, coal mine that's up there. It's a Navajo mine they call it. And uh, about uh, 10 years ago, actually, uh, the, um, because of EPA, the company that owned that uh, was uh, uh, going to shut it down. And, uh, and, and so the Navajo says, wait a minute, you, you can't shut that down. We've got 1,000 people or so that work there. We need, need the place uh, for employment. So the Navajos formed a company, Intec. Uh, Navajo Transitional Energy Company, which I'm, and and they set up this company with a board, and I was one of the initial board members, and I've been on the board for 10 years. In fact, next week we're having a 10-year reunion, mm. and uh, but this company is uh, is 
taken over the mine now and it's extremely successful. In fact, we're getting into helium, we're getting into uh, rare earth metals, just expanding beyond the, the coal. So it's, uh, but I've been working with them for now 10 years. Nice for you to bring us up to date on what's happening in that area. Yes. So your experiences are vast, and we've ha barely had time to touch on your families. You have a son, Judy, named Owen. I have a, grand, a son and a grandson, a grandson named Owen. He's 19, and he's a baseball pitcher down at Phoenix College. But uh, last summer he was up here. His summer job was at Castle Pines valeting cars like John Elway's car and Peyton, <laughs> and, Mannings. And Peyton yeah. Mannings. And he and Pete played a lot of golf together. Yeah. And he, uh, and I taught him how to, I took him down to a driving range two years ago and uh, said, Owen, you're just a great athlete. Uh, you need to learn how to play golf. And, um, and so I went down there and uh, showed him, I had a pro show him just how to hold a club and, and, and practice. But anyway, today, He's uh, he's got a handicap, I think, of three, oh and he my. can drive the ball over three <laughs> three hundred yards, easy. It's it's almost intimidating for me to go out and play with him because he hits and the ball you, so you far. And you inspired him to do this. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just a great golfer. There's one other area too relating to the the daughter of a resident here named Betty Plank. How is she affecting your life? <laughs> well, I uh, I have. Uh, my children, my five children, and I said, look, uh, I want you all to learn how to play the piano. I love music. And so I, uh, but I was uh, too busy teaching them, so I didn't have enough time. To and as I go and I said, when I retire, I'm going to retire. So when I came here, Judy, thank you ever so much. I think we could do another one sometime. <laughs> what a pleasure to have you here, and thank it's you, Sandy. It's been a delight. Yeah, it's been wonderful having you both here. Oh, well, we enjoy it very much. That is Wanderings for today. I'm sorry to say so long, but so long. So long. <laughs> so long. Thank you.